welcome to the podcast. I'm Karen Weaver. Today we're going to look at the issue of athletics oversight at a Division III campus and also the issues of student fees and how it's impacting student debt. Most people in higher education are acutely aware of the tension that exists between those who are paying tuition and those who are setting the annual costs. In Virginia, there's been a strong desire by the legislature to hold tuition levels flat for the past several years in response to the Commonwealth's constituents who complain quite loudly about the escalating cost to attend a state-supported institution. Over the past 20 years, the demographics of the undergraduate population across the country has continued to shift. In addition to the decline of high school graduates expected over the next eight to 10 years, another shift has occurred. We have more women undergraduates on campus than at any other time in our history. One would think we should celebrate this achievement, and many institutions do. However, there is an underlying issue to which researchers are beginning to pay attention, that of the disproportionate attribution of women's student fees being used to support athletic programs at non-Power 5 conference schools. My colleague Jordan Techmeyer and myself have been exploring this dynamic for the last two years. In the course of this research, we have identified a very typical profile of an institution that uses women's students' fees to fund its men's athletics program. Typically they are, number one, mid-sized, number two, have a full-time average undergraduate population of 16,000 students, have 9,000 of those undergraduate students be female, number three, they make up, women make up 57% of the full-time undergraduate student population, the student fees in the athletics program account for 54% of the revenue, the total revenues that come in. Those women then pay almost $8 million in student fees. And at those typical schools, schools spend about $6 million on women's sports, leaving $2 million to go towards the men's program. And schools that collect $2 million more in student fees from women than they need to fund then directly fund the men's programs. So what's interesting is, is around the time that, that Jordan and I were finishing up with this research, NBC, NBC News did a, an in-depth article that explains this dynamic perfectly. They looked at James Madison University, located in Virginia, and they are a mid-sized institution. They have approximately 18,000 students, of which 11,000 are women. The athletic department's total revenues are 51.7 million, which includes almost 39 million in student fees. If you do the math, in 2018 and 19, James Madison's athletics department received 75% of its budget from the fees assessed to the undergraduate population. As 58.5% of the undergraduate population is female, women provided almost $22.8 million of direct support to the athletics program. That equates to almost 44% of the total athletic department budget, according to EADA, or the Equity and Athletics Disclosure Act statistics. Taking it down to the student level, the editor of the James Madison University Breeze, the campus newspaper, Caitlin Waldemeyer, looked deeply into the st student fees landscape across all of Virginia in August of 2019. She identified James Madison as one of the lowest funded campuses from the state across the entire Commonwealth. She interviewed Charlie King, a senior vice president of administration, about the impact 
And she, he said, the biggest problem we've had is over the last 20 years, we've grown tremendously and we grew during a period of time the state wasn't able to fund us like their formula said they were supposed to. And then we decided to just keep on growing and doing it ourselves. Waltmeyer told the NBC News journalist that she pays a total of $2,340 annually just for athletics. Now, she doesn't play sports. She is not an athlete on the campus. Over four years and with no further increases, she will have paid $9,360 in student fees alone towards athletics. She pointed out to NBC News, for someone who doesn't care a whole lot about athletics, it seems a bit much for me to have to contribute. I have two jobs, I'm a full-time student, and I'm paying for athlete scholarships. To me, that hurt. She could be right. In 2018 and 19, James Madison awarded $8.8 million in athletic scholarships to both male and female athletes. And as the U.S. Department of Education's college scorecard reports that the average amount of debt that a James Madison graduate incurs is between fifteen dollars and $25,000, of which one could assume that $9,300 is part of that debt. The bottom line is that with flat or reduced tuition pricing and with the average Division I athletics budget growing between 4 and 9% each year, the funds have to come from somewhere. At the non-Power 5 level, there aren't massive media deals on the horizon. It leaves institutions in the unenviable position of cutting the academic budget, reducing student services, or raising student fees. As our research shows, by no means should anyone imply that this problem is limited to James Madison or only to most publics in the state of Virginia. In fact, we found 41 schools where the decline in state support along with the rise of women on campus leads toward athletic department funding coming more and more from female undergraduates. What does this mean for student debt? Simply put, more women may be funding college athletics programs today than ever before. While the myth may still exist that male students are more supportive of students on campus by attending athletic games and activities, more female students are financially supporting the athletics budgets. It's time for colleges to be more transparent about where the money goes. Students like Caitlin Waltmeyer, who work two jobs, go to school full-time, and run the school newspaper would probably agree. On today's podcast, we're joined by Dr. Larry Ward. Larry is the Vice President for Student Affairs and Dean of Students at Babson College in Massachusetts. He is what's called the Chief Student Affairs Officer, and he's also what's called the Athletic Direct Report an important part of the NCAA structure in NCAA Division III. As part of his job at Babson, he provides strategic direction for a holistically designed student experience that supports students' academic, social, intellectual, and cultural development, as well as their personal well-being. He also provides executive leadership and oversight for a variety of on-campus programs, including athletics. He is also responsible for community standards, graduate student affairs, health and wellness, student engagement, student affairs administration, and dean of student life on call, in addition to oversight of the student office. Oh, in addition, he's oversight of athletics. So I'm thrilled to have Larry join us today to talk about this important role and talk about his approach towards student athlete wellness. Welcome, Larry.
Larry, thanks so much for taking some time to join the podcast. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. When you were, when we last saw each other, you were on your way to the NCAA convention and you hold a very unique role in the NCAA campus structure. There are five key NCAA positions on each campus in Division Three: the president, athletics director, the faculty athletics representative, the senior woman's administrator, and the athletic direct report. Yeah. Let's start with your activities at the NCAA convention. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've been in ADR now for uh, almost six years, it'll be six years this summer. Um, and this past January was actually my first NCAA convention. Oh. Uh, and so I spent the majority of my uh, time in the, uh, in what's called the ADR Institute. Uh, which uh, in Division Three brings together, you know, many vice presidents and 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 folks other than the president of a of a college or a university for whom athletics reports to. And so, anytime you have a chance to spend quality time with a group of people who are in similar roles and facing similar challenges, uh, writ large on a college campus, um, it's it's time well spent. But the Institute uh, takes ADRs through the challenges of uh, understanding how to interact and, and build a great relationship with their athletic directors, uh, understand the role of coaches, the Division Three philosophy. Um, Mary Beth Cooper, who's the president of Springfield College, uh, spent some wonderful time with us. Um, and then uh, talking uh, a fair amount about this, the 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 student athlete experiences and the, and the challenges, particularly around mental health and well-being of today's student athletes. So, um, a, a very, very um, interesting uh, session, and, and and great to be immersed in Division Three athletics. Did you find that uh, many of your peers were in their uh, similar position, where that was their first or second year overseeing athletics as well? You know, I found it was a range. I think the majority of, of folks there were relatively new to athletics oversight. Okay. So although it was my first convention, I really felt like I had a depth of experience um, in managing and providing oversight for uh, athletics in Division Three than many of the folks uh, in the room. Um, but, you know, you, you find your way to, to add value in that group, regardless of the experience. Absolutely. And so, yeah. you know, I didn't need to be sold on the Division Three philosophy. I've been through uh, an AD search and uh, transitioning one AD out and, and a new one in. Um, Multi-million dollar athletic facilities, uh, capital project, um, scandals involving student athletes and uh, difficult coaching changes. So, um, you know, the, I, I've seen a lot in my almost six years uh, in the role. Give us a sense of Babson in terms of the total number of undergraduates, what percentage of the campuses are athletes, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, thank you. Um, so Babson is uh, a private, uh, highly selective business college in, in Wellesley, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. Um, 22 um, varsity sports. Uh, our student population is just under 2,500 undergraduates, and then we've got another just under 1,000 graduate students 
uh, all enrolled in some form of business and entrepreneurship and innovation in particular uh, is uh, deep in our, our DNA and a big part of our brand. Um, uh, the student uh, student athlete population is roughly uh, about 22% uh, uh, of the undergraduate student body are, are varsity athletes. Well, you mentioned 22 varsity sports, and yep. I noticed you have alpine skiing, but also let's tell our audience exactly what a vice president of student affairs at Babson oversees. Yep. Athletics, right. standards, right. graduate student affairs, right. health and wellness, housing, yeah. public safety, yeah. student engagement, student affairs administration, yeah. and the dean of student life on-call program. Right. In addition, the Dean of Students Office serves as the focal point for students in crisis and other student-related emergencies. How do you balance all of this with 22 varsity sports? <laughs> um, I'm not sure that I do balance it, uh, but the short answer is I have a really strong team um, and, and no uh, Chief Student Affairs Officer can do it by his or herself. Um, or their self. Um, so uh, my direct reports, uh, obviously my uh, director of athletics, uh, who also has a dual report uh, to the Office of Advancement. So he is a uh, the chief fundraiser for the athletic department with, uh, with a dual appointment, which uh, was a creative way uh, to bring him in given his, his background uh, in Division I uh, athletics. Uh, the chief of police, uh, is also a direct report uh, of mine, uh, along with associate deans for the wellness portfolio, the student engagement portfolio, so it's housing and um, uh, student activities and community standards and uh, so on and so forth, um, multicultural and, and identity programs. Wow. And then uh, all of the infrastructure, the finance, the personnel, uh, the communications is the administrative piece that, that goes into that. So you've got to have a really strong team uh, to be able to do it. And I, I'm really blessed with a great team. That, that's how I balance it. Well, I, I think that's amazing. And you must come in, in, in seriously in contact with nearly every student on campus via that way. Yeah, I do. I do. I spend a lot of time. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because of the challenges associated just with, with managing campus and student life, there's a, there's a significant amount of stress. You're, you're moving from one urgent or crisis situation, partnering with a faculty on a, on a student issue or a strategic issue or a building project. So my solace um, is really in athletics. I will go spend just 20 minutes uh, sitting in a women's basketball practice or I'll go up to our upper fields and, and check in on uh, our men's and women's soccer or field hockey uh, program. Or, you know, I, I, I will work out in the mornings and, and, and sometimes just go in and sit with our hockey coach. Our, our rink is right next to uh, the gym where I work out. And spending time with our coaches and with our student athletes just gives me a great sense of, uh, of joy and, and balance. And, and on occasion, we've got a great group of assistant uh, coaches who have a pickup basketball game every Tuesday at noon um, and so I will say the last time I played the assistant hockey coach gave me a concussion so I've been <laughs> on the bench ever since <laughs> yeah the um, have to let you back until you can play 
Yeah, so so those are the ways in which actually um, engaging in the, our student athlete experience and the coaching experience, separate from my uh, athletic director, is really part of my my own well-being and, and sense of balance on campus. That's really interesting. So shifting gears a little bit, how do you keep your president apprised of what's going on in athletics? How frequently do you meet either formally or informally? Uh, specifically to discuss athletics or just yes, generally? Yeah, yeah. athletics. Um, and mostly informally. Um, and so he and I will touch base, you know, de depending on the month, a couple times uh, a month. Um, one of the things I really like to do is give my athletic director direct uh, visibility and access to our to our president. I think that's really, really uh, important. I've got a very, very capable um, athletic director um, and I don't feel as though all of the communication, particularly on policy issues or student athlete uh, issues. So our uh, AD and president have coffee together probably every other month, huh. uh, which I'm incredibly supportive of. Um, and then he and I will meet uh, a couple times a month on a, on a range of issues, including athletic related. Wow. That's pretty interesting. Yep. Um, do you help your AD guide decision-making in hiring, budgeting, gender equity issues, student athlete welfare, facility construction, et cetera? All of the above. Yeah. All of the above. Uh, in fact, I, I, I wrote down, um, in thinking about this conversation, some of the areas of, of engagement, and I think you've listed the exact same five or, or six that I do. Um, we work very, very closely uh, on that. I think he relies on um, on my thinking. We bounce a lot of ideas off of each other, um, you know, particularly around the student athlete experience. Um, and, and that is both um, all aspects of it, you know, on that continuum from, um, you know, we've got a number of student athletes, several teams who are heading off our spring break is in a week or so to, you know, uh, I've got softball team going to Arizona, then going on to Hawaii. We've got our baseball team playing in Texas. Women's lacrosse is going to be in South Carolina. Tennis will be in California. Uh, we had swimming and diving in, in Florida over the winter break. And so these kinds of enhancement opportunities for kids who play in cold uh, New England, um, to be able to put them on a plane and to experience Division Three athletics at a national level, not just a region level, is a big part of their experience, in addition to the, the quality of facilities that they get to, to play and, and practice in. And then on the other end of that continuum is student-athletes who may find themselves in some form of, uh, of, of trouble or jeopardy, uh, student conduct issues, uh, and those are issues in which our, my athletic director and I are very closely partnered to ensure that we get the right outcome uh, and help put a young person on a better path. Yeah, yeah. So think about the other campus constituencies that student governments, faculty senate, the board yeah. of trustees. Do you make presentations regularly to the, any of those groups? And if so, what kinds of things do you discuss? Yeah. So I, I, uh, I do, uh, I spend, um, you know, as the sort of face of, of student and campus life in which athletics is a, a big part of uh, what I think is a form of, uh, of student engagement on campus. Uh, it does put me in front of the faculty to, to, to address uh, issues of, uh, of athletics. Uh, we do have a faculty athletics rep 
but I think hearing from um, the senior executive responsible for, for athletics is uh, often preferred uh, for the faculty. Um, I spend a lot of time with the trustees uh, engaged in uh, issues. Most recently, we've just completed and opened uh, doors on a $52 million um, athletics and recreation facility capital project that included uh, new campus rec facilities, a renovation of uh, our um, basketball and volleyball floor, team locker rooms for each for every varsity sport. Uh, so that was a project which I served as executive sponsor and worked very closely with our facilities uh, trustees committee. Um, and so really on a monthly basis, um, talking about that project, keeping it on track, um, and really making sure that the trustees weren't caught unawares on, on any of the issues, particularly with that level of, of investment. Uh, and then student government, um, you know, I visited with them uh, earlier this week, actually. Uh, so I spend regular time with the student government um, on issues related to athletics as well. You know, in Division One, it's very common for the athletic director to, let's say, go in front of a student government group if they want to ask for student fees or things like that. Do you right. have those kinds of discussions with student government, or is it funding is just not an issue in terms of appropriation at that level at all? No, it is. And I often joke, our student government has more money than I do uh, to spend on the student experience. Um, and I, and I, I, I believe in engaging students in, uh, in addressing challenges and problem solving on campus. And so usually when there is a major decision, uh, whether athletics related or not, I, I like to engage our student leaders in that discussion. Not only student government, but also our, our student athlete advisory council as well. And I know our AD has a very good relationship uh, with SAC, um, and they're they're a big part of us uh, ensuring that we are incorporating the student voice in our decision making. My last question is this: Sometimes it's a hard one, but what keeps you up at night when it comes to athletics? Yeah, um, so I will tell you, uh, student athletes' uh, mental health and, and well-being. Uh, I, I think today, in today's day and age, if you ask a chief student affairs officer, if you ask an athletic director, their number one and perhaps number two issues will be student mental health uh, and well-being. Um, I, I don't know that I will call it a crisis, but it's as close to a daily uh, crisis in, in some aspect. I think the other piece is uh, usually around finances and revenue. In Division Three, you know our institutions can only afford to fund athletics um, uh, to a, to a certain to a certain degree right. in terms of the annual budget. Uh, and so, finding ways to generate revenue in a situation where we don't have the benefit of television contracts or gate receipts, uh, by and large. Um, it's a critical piece of how we uh, run the railroad, and that includes private philanthropy uh, as well. So um, that's critical. And then I would say the, the third uh, issue usually deals with some form of staffing or personnel. And that can be anything from um, 
diversity, equity, inclusion. Uh, if I'm being perfectly honest, I have a very white athletic department. Uh, the majority of our uh, of our coaching staff uh, is white, um, and um, it's not reflective of our student body. Many of our majority of our student athletes are also white as well, and so I think one of the critical ways to recruiting more athletes of color is having uh, better representation uh, in our coaching ranks and in our administrative ranks as well. Um, and so those are the issues that 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 keep me up at night uh, related to the student athlete experience, revenue, and pers personnel. I'm so glad you brought up the issue of diversity, inclusion, and equity. Uh, when I was an AD, I really it was it was easy to find plenty of people who were white who were interested in being part-time coaches at the time. That's what I was hiring, and it takes work to go and find people who have either, for whatever reason, either ruled themselves out because of circumstances financially or others to help them see the path forward as to how you think you can be helpful in helping them work this out and begin their career. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think so much of the experience for an athlete is in being able to connect with that coach and also see the world through different lenses besides just your own upbringing. And so the issue of seeing other people who don't just look like you becomes a better tool for preparing them for entry into the real world. So I think we had that obligation. I agree with you on that. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, I, I've been committed to this issue for really since stepping into the, into the role um, and brought it up at, at the conference level. We're part of the New England Women's and Men's Athletic uh, Conference, NUMAC. Um, and at the national level uh, with uh, Louise McCleary, who's, uh, you know, directs Division Three, um, And so every year I speak at the uh, Institute for Athletic Advancement, which identifies high potential uh, coaches and younger athletic administrators of color who want to progress either to AD or to senior levels um, in higher ed. Uh, and so I really believe in putting uh, my mouth and, and, and time and money, or I should say my, my time and, and, uh, uh, and money where my mouth is. And so, you know, I, I go annually, I'll be there in May, um, teaching a workshop about how to pursue uh, a senior level role in higher ed. And I tell you, Karen, it is as impactful for me every year as I think it is for the participants, because I share my story and they see me as a senior administrator of color walk to the front of that room. Um, it, it's a powerful experience uh, for all of us, particularly sharing some very hard truths. Um, and so I, I, I think you have to be committed. It's, it's important work, it's necessary work, but progress is often slow. It, it is, but the arc, I want to say the arc of, of um, justice bends long and slow, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. The opportunities that are there, and it's important at this time in higher education when we need to increase access and affordability and attract a wider range of students to our campus. Well, I think that's right. And, you know, at, at Babson, we also, we, you know, it's a highly selective institution. You know, our, our um, admit rate this past fall was less than 25%. So the majority of students who apply do not get in. And I think that can have um, 
that can have consequences for having a representative uh, student body. Um, and so we've got to work very closely with our enrollment management folks. Athletics is not a front porch at Babson. Uh, perhaps that's a good thing, um, but it does have consequences for our ability to be a more inclusive community. Well, Larry, I really want to thank you for taking some time. I know your schedule is jammed because you're always meeting with students and and, and to get a chance to visit with you and talk more about some of these issues and also help my listeners understand about this unique role inside of Division Three. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity. Anytime I get a chance to spend time with Dr. Karen Weaver, it is a good day. Thank you. My, 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 I feel the same way. Have a good day. Thank you. you. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining us for another week of thinking about college athletics from the 30,000 foot perspective. In case this is the first time you are joining us, the podcast drops every Thursday morning. You can listen to previous guests and topics on eight different podcasting platforms, including iTunes and Spotify. Each week, I will strive to give you a deeper understanding of the complexities of higher education and intercollegiate athletics in the 21st century. Please also join me on Forbes.com for additional content and extended analysis. Have a great week.